Welcome to Real Estate Investing Abundance, the show for busy, fulfilled professionals like you to learn how to develop financial independence built on solid, passive real estate investments. Now, here is your host, Dr. Alan Lomax. Hello, enlightened investors. Welcome back to the show. Delighted to be with you once again today as we take a look at Strategy Sprints, Three Levers to Double Our Revenues. Simon Servino helps business owners in SAAS and services run their company more effectively, which results in sales that soar. He created Strategy Sprint's method that doubles revenue in 90 days by getting owners out of the weeds. Simon is a TEDx speaker, contributor to Forbes and Entrepreneur Magazine, and a member of the SVBS Silicon Valley Blockchain Society. So, Simon, take us into the show and share an experience that helped you to be who you are today. Hello, everybody. I'm excited to be here. Yes, Simon Severino. What made me who I am is that in my life, I had one parent from Italy and one parent from Austria. So two different languages, two different cultures. And so I became a very curious explorer of how people think. So what is this culture versus that culture? Why do they, these people eat like that and those people eat like that? So what, what is it, the symbols and what is the meaning behind their words? And so I became a very curious explorer of human behavior. I did fall in love with people because people are complex and, uh, and fascinating, right? So I became a curious explorer and that's what I am up until today. And I am people oriented. So I coach people mainly. Yes, I help them increase sales and keep the profits around, but what motivates me is that they are happy, that they are better, better fathers, better husbands, better, better moms when they come back home from being a business owner. But they are actually fun to be around and they're healthy and they enjoy being a business owner because it's not always very enjoyable. It's tough. And so we can go there. What's tough and how can it be a little bit smoother? Well, Simon, let's get into how it is that uh, we can identify our bottlenecks. And you say we can do that in just eight minutes. Yes. So when you run a business, it's a hundred moving parts, right? You could improve this week, the marketing, the branding, the PR, the hiring, the legal, the IT, the portfolio rebalancing, right? You, you, you could do so many different things. So what is really what matters to fix first? That's the bottleneck. There is a science behind that. But to make it very simple, we have created a checklist that in eight minutes helps you really identify, okay, this is the bottleneck this week. So we as a team, we should fix this first. And when this is fixed, we move to the next one next week. That's the theory of constraints, TOC. And there is a whole science behind that. Basically, what it says is you can improve everything a little bit. You spread yourself thin, but then you did not improve the overall throughput in a very significant way, you increase the overall throughput, so the, the outcomes of your business, by just solving one bottleneck after the other. It's the weakest point. And to give you an example of, of this checklist and these questions, one of the questions is, if you 10x tomorrow, which part of your business breaks first? So for example, you might sell 10 times more commercial 
real estate, but maybe you cannot deliver it. Or you might take on, you might buy 10 more complexes, house, housing complexes, but maybe you cannot refinance them. So there is some part that breaks first. And that's the one that we recommend to fix this week. And when you fix that, then you move on to the next. Maybe it takes you two weeks or three weeks. I say week because the strategy sprints method is break down all your work into weekly small chunks so that your whole team is aligned just as one thing. Because there is, again, a science of team flow in general, peak states in human beings that says, if you focus on one big thing, you are more motivated, you get more results, you get more feedback. And those feedback, again, motivates you, you get more results, you get more feedback. So it's a positive loop. The opposite would be, again, you do many things, but you are spread thin. You do 21 tasks this week. How will you feel? You will feel depleted. You don't have a clear feedback loop in terms of, boom, you have improved this bottom line or this top line or this quality of that because you didn't finish any of those. But if you do just one thing and you finish it, you know, you have this joy of checking off the box. I, I literally check off boxes and I, ah, it's a small moment of, ah, this is done. Close it next. Yeah, Simon, you know, not too many years ago, there was this big hype of we have to multitask and we have to develop our multitasking skills. But as you were pointing out in the last few years, the research has indicated that multitasking is depletes not just our energy, but it depletes our overall performance in just about every area that we are attempting to multitask. And so finding that focus is, and as you mentioned, uh, the science behind it is is growing uh, in evidence that we really, really, truly need to forget this multitasking stuff and really focus upon what is truly important. The question is, is you mentioned we look to find what is going to break first, and that is what we should then put our focus upon. Simon, give us a little more clarity on that because, because as you mentioned, every single day there are a multitude of things that we have to accomplish and we can't just automatically go in and set aside everything we're doing. We have to continue operations. And so there are tasks that we're going to have to do whether they're the first thing to break or, or not. So clarify for us how it is that we can, as entrepreneurs and investors, get a real clear picture on what it is that is going to break first. Because, I mean, we're looking at projections, we're looking down at the future. And as Yogi Berra once said, prediction is very, very difficult, particularly when we're talking about the future. So how do we find that thing that is going to break first? Yeah, I love the Yogi Berra quote because it's important as an investor, you have to always bet on the future, but you never know. You, you know cycles, you know trends, and you, have to, and you have to bet, right? You have scenarios, you have a bull case, a bear case, you have a, a, a bigger case and then some tail risk cases, right? You, and you do risk manage and you look at, oh, when will that trend break? So is the cycle, the cycle maybe shorter? For example, the real estate cycle. In your country, is it three years more or two years? I don't know. Uh, what does the interest rate now really mean, right? And uh, and how quickly is it going up from here? 
and how many people have a fixed rate versus an and and a non-fixed rate, right? A variable rate. And so you look at these things, you never know exactly, but you have to put your bets. And that's why I think in systems. I'm when I coach people, we have revenue systems, we have investing systems. The revenue systems are what are the things that improve by 25% our conversion rate? The price, raise the price by 25% for the same thing that we can charge by better positioning. And by 25%, reduce the sales time. So project overall time from beginning to closed deal, sold deal. How can we reduce that time? These are the three levers. And then in there, 95% is not in my control. As you say, the future is not in my control. That's wise. So what is really in, in our control as a business owner? The supply chain is not, the material costs are not, not even the sales is in our control, not even personnel is in our control. Only three things are in our control, the daily habit, weekly habit, monthly habit. So the, my daily habit, and this is what I share with my coaches, is every day I write down how, how did I allocate my time today and what will I delegate or automate or cut tomorrow? So it's very near to here. It's not in the future. It was today my time allocation, tomorrow my time allocation. And that I do every day since many, many years. And I learn from myself and I get better and better. And of course, as a business owner, this is crucial because you have to continuously remove yourself from operations, from marketing, from sales, so that you can do the higher leverage tasks, growth tasks, joint ventures, bigger deals, etc. And writing a book, for me, uh, an important moment uh, of the last year was, hey, I need to write a book. And so I wrote this book, Strategy Sprints. It's now out there. That was a higher leverage task for me. In order to do that, I had to remove myself from marketing and from operations to have the time to write a book. And that, that's what we have in common. All business owners need, need to do that, to remove yourself from the things that are already working. Then you write them down, you hand them over, and you move to the next bigger lever. And that's the weekly habit. Now, the weekly habit is give me my three most important numbers. For many business, it's one marketing number, one sales number, one operations number. Marketing number can be how many new subscribers on our newsletter did we have this week. A sales number can be closed deals this week. An operations number can be percentage of finished buildings, if you're building houses, or of rent percentage this week of rented homes or apartments, whatever your numbers are. But it's vital that you pick a few. We create a dashboard of three numbers for our clients and with our clients. And those three numbers we have in one real-time dashboard, which is visual, which is appealing to look at. Because let's be honest, the only good tools are the tools that your teams use every week. These are the good tools, whatever, they, whatever those tools are. If they use them, they're good because <laughs> they move something forward. Right? You can have the best tools, but they don't use them. So should be simple, should be visually appealing, and you, you use them every week. So every Friday, we have everybody on the team look over the operations number, marketing numbers, and sales numbers. And now many people go, yeah, but it's different departments. Yeah, on purpose, we, 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 we bucket them together because actually marketing is always represented in sales. You can't do sales without marketing before. You pre-frame with marketing and you close with sales. You cannot do actually a good sales without operations because operation has to deliver 
what you have promised. So you need to be aligned also there. That's why we have one team, marketing operations and sales, always together with the business owner. Sometimes the business owner is all three departments when they are solopreneur, but we help them, of course, scale out of mm-hmm. those hats and by systemizing, writing them down. So that's the weekly habit. And then the monthly habit is strategic analysis and investing decisions. Where do we invest less next month in the features, in personnel, in headquarters, in software, you know, your main cost blocks? How can we turn fixed costs into variable costs so that when there is there more work, I want to have more costs. When there is less work, I want to have less costs. And then, of course, treasury and investment portfolio. That's, again, also a system, right? What's your overall portfolio? Your people know that because they are investors. But many of my business owners that I coach, I ask them, what's your overall portfolio, private and company? And they go, I don't know, Simon. I don't know my overall percentages. And I say, well, then please start writing it down for you. Define. Start, for example, with 25% cash, 25% real estate, 25% stocks, 25% either gold if you're old school or Bitcoin if you're new school. Insert yours, right? (laughs) And then you put it in there. Something commodity-like, right? Can be silver if you prefer that. I'm in the Bitcoin camp. But... Pick yours, right? And then you have at least a starting portfolio. And from there, you can then refine it because that's risk management. And, you know, maybe 10 years ago, you could afford to not think about this. But those times are over. We are in in a period where you have to, to become precise and to become aware of these things. Simon, share with us how it is that we can take advantage of what it is that you have to offer and how we can get in touch with you to take advantage of that. Yes. So we coach business owners to have better operations and better sales. So revenue systems and getting out of the weeds, having a business that runs less dependent on on them so that they can have holidays, guilt-free, longer holidays can be, you know, again, fun to be around, enjoying uh, their life, not just their business and enjoying the journey. And the way we do it is one-to-one coaching in 90 days cycle. And one of those cycles is one strategy sprint. People can read about it in the book Strategy Sprint. It's now on Amazon. And I wrote it with much love and it took me many years to write it. And um, it's, it's a work of dedication. It's, it's really practical. It's really good. And if they want to find us and our services, we are at strategysprints.com. Very good. And you also have a podcast, do you not? I have two because I love sharing my mistakes every week, my learnings, what I'm exploring. I I told you I'm curious. So I explore a lot of ground every week and over multiple industries and countries. So I share the, the insights, the mistakes that I do, both on a personal level as a CEO on a YouTube channel called Simon Severino. And also I interview amazing CEOs on a YouTube channel called Strategy Sprints. Simon, what are the three uh, CEO habits that we all need to develop? Yes. So since, you know, supply chains are not in your control, material costs are not in your control, not even the stock price, nothing is actually in our control. What would I focus? What are the three things that I can focus on whatever happens outside? It's an all weather question. What can I really focus on? Uh, Then I would say daily habit, weekly habit, monthly habit, daily. How do I spend my time to, how did I spend my time today? 
and what do I delegate tomorrow or outsource or automate tomorrow? Weekly habit. What are the three numbers that I want to get reported in real time and learn from every seven days with my whole team? Monthly habit. Competitive analysis. What else can our customers do? And based on that, where are we winning? Where are we not winning against our competitors? Where do we divest? And where do we put that investment in? So from the top features where we are losing, I will cut 10%, 15%, 20% budget next month. I will give it less attention, less, less resources. And but I will immediately reinvest them in the next month into the features where we are already crushing it. Imagine you are McDonald's, you're crushing it with the Big Mac against everybody else. Now you cut 20% from something else, the fried chicken. And then you put them into your Big Mac. Now you are, you will crush it because you are already winning. Now you have 20% more resources on the Big Mac. Nobody can compete with your Big Mac. So if somebody tries to enter your industry now, they should better be really, really good in the first week at having a better Big Mac than you have at a better price. That's very hard. That's how you stay competitive. But the process is simple. Whoever you are, whatever your business is, once a month, half an hour analysis with our tools, you can do it in half an hour. Otherwise, it takes a little bit more. But you go through your 10 features. Where are you winning? Where are you losing? From the losers, you cut 10%, 15%. You reinvest them next month. That's what we call sprint budgeting or a monthly budget instead of a yearly budget. And so you reinvest them into where you're winning already. And that makes you strategically competitive and also a little bit more defended and defendable from your competitors. That was like a very well researched and worked out plan. Of course, it's easy to look at the plans and the maps of our life and say, this is where we're going. It's not always easy to implement. And that's where the coaching comes in to help people stay on track. Simon, what what do you mean by being an agile company versus a rigid company? An agile company can react quickly to stuff happening. So for example, today we have the FOMC meeting. Nobody really knows what will happen. It's a volatile day. We know that for sure. But it can volatile up or down. Nobody really knows. Will it be 0.75? Then we shoot up. Will it be 1.0? Then we shoot down. So how quickly? Of course, we can prepare scenarios. But the rigid company takes three weeks to react on that volatility versus the agile company can react in real time. So I'm prepared and I can decide because my decision structure is simple and quick and we are aligned and I can move stuff around. My contracts are short term so that I can move them. My options are are broad, not just limited, and I can react. So in one hour, I hear 0.75, I do this. I hear 1.0, I do that. If I can do that in real time, I'm agile as a company. If not, then I'm rigid. I'm slower than my environment. And that's a problem. And so the things that you're sharing with us, Simon, are actually obviously intended to help us to develop that agile company. I expect that as you are working with individuals and with companies, you, of course, are looking at that global aspect of it, but I'm, I'm thinking there are probably within each and every company, there are segments of that that are agile, and then there are segments of it that are much more rigid. 
how do you find the areas within your company that need to improve upon agility? You know, the market doesn't care about how you organize internally. And that's the problem. So whatever the way we find to organize, and I'm happy to share some for very large companies, how they can break it down into teams of teams. There is, there is also a science there, how you break it down into teams of teams. So you break it down into small units that are max four people. And where, again, you have this fractal substructure, which is the same as the parent structure, where you have marketing, sales, and operation in there, and you, and you are able to decide end-to-end. So you have profit centers as teams instead of cost centers. And all those profit centers are entrepreneurial in nature. So the single parts are entrepreneurial, means they are awake, they look outside, they take entrepreneurial decisions. They think in profit categories, not just in costs. And so if you have each unit as a team that is end-to-end entrepreneurial, then you can run a very large conglomerate in an entrepreneurial way. And there are examples of this because not even the the legacy companies, the, the big corporations, not all of them are actually slow or rigid. Some of them are pretty agile and not legacy at all. I think of Google, I think of Amazon, two stocks that, by the way, I want to buy more of today if, if there is a dip because they are run very, very well. And they don't let themselves become a legacy company. They keep themselves on their toes. And, and each part is run in an end-to-end fashion. They think entrepreneurially. Google, for example, kills around 10 to 100 projects every month. So you remember that glass thing that they <laughs> developed? So yeah, it didn't work. It was invalidated. It was a bit too early and too clunky. They killed it immediately. Last week, I get an email from Google. Hey, your Google My Business entry will now be on Google Maps. They just killed the whole thing, Google My Business. It was a thing. They just killed it. And that you see how agile they are. They build, they measure, they decide, they stop stuff. That's very agile. Even if you are even in that size. Well, that's very interesting about Google. And of course, there's one thing about Google that irritates the heck out of me. And that is that I just get used to their systems and they've changed them. And so yeah. I have to rethink, redo just to keep up with it. And I don't think that's just a complaint for me. A lot of people have that uh, complaint about Google. So how is Google attempting to keep uh customers happy at the same time that they're staying agile. Yeah, let's let's look at the dropout rate. So I'm also a Google user that sometimes is like irritated. Hey, where is this thing? <laughs> but do we drop out? That's the question. Do we drop out? Do we jump to Microsoft? That's the question. And both Amazon and Google are pretty good at not losing clients. And if you look at Amazon yesterday, Amazon raised prime subscription prices by 40% in a day. In Italy, 40%. In Austria, 20%. 40% in a day. It was pre-earnings call. So I imagined, wow, they will be, they will be penalized for that in the earnings call. It didn't happen. So the yes, they take quick decisions. And for the users, sometimes it's irritating. But the question is, do they jump off? Or is it still better than everything else that I can do? Then I stay with it. And so I think Amazon will not lose a lot of subscribers for Prime because that is a sticky product that people love. 
and they are very good at organizing experience, organizing work, organizing logistics, organizing cloud mm -hmm. environments. They're really good at delivering both at strategy, Jeff Bezos, and also now the team now. They are really long-term thinker, but they're also very good at just bringing stuff from A to B better than anybody else. Yeah, they truly do have many competitive edges and we can all criticize and say awful things about both Amazon and Google, but they certainly do know how to compete and maintain that competitive edge. So what I edge. wish for the world is that we develop the decentralized version of those. Because what I don't like is the monopoly of a couple people having such a decision power over a market. That's not good for innovation. That's not good for entrepreneurship. So as a society, we need to either break them up or to foster the innovation of decentralized version of that. So the Web3 version of Google, that's what I hope for. So far, it's the best solution for the current knowledge problem in the internet. Mm -hmm. But the Web3 will bring, will bring better solutions and they will be more distributed. Well, Simon, I do hope you're right and hope we can move to Web3 and do it rapidly. Enlightened investors, thank you so much for being with us today. Delightful conversation we have had here with Simon. Go out there and find Strategy Sprints. Sounds like an excellent book. I will have to check it out. I'm curious to, to read your Amazon reviews. Yes, indeed. Enlightened investors, look forward to being with you in our next episode. Until then, flourish and live abundantly. Simon, thanks for being with us today. Thank you very much. Keep rolling, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to Real Estate Investing Abundance, brought to you by Steve Talker Capital, a company working for passionate professionals like you to develop financial independence built on solid, passive real estate investments. As part of our efforts to make the world a better place, Steve Talker Capital contributes to activities and organizations committed to better understand the equine. These endeavors attempt to enhance the human treatment of horses worldwide. Steve Talker Capital, working for a world where all creatures, great and small, flourish abundantly. For resources to develop your financial independence, connect with us at stevetalker.com.